I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. You like to move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. You like to move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. You like to move Good day, everybody, and welcome to I Like to Movie Movie. My name is Dan Scully, and welcome back after a long hiatus there. Much appreciate your patience once again. I'm an unprofessional piece of shit. As always, you can find the show at Movie Movie Cast on all of the things. And today, I got my buddy Scott Pags. He's coming on the show to talk about Joker. Uh, in the face of WB's mismanagement of about ev- you know just about everything, the announcement of the Joker sequel, and the fact that WB is putting a cease and desist on an independently made parody film, um, which I forget the title of, and I should probably look that up. But uh, with all of that, we figured it would be fun to look back and talk about the Joker. Not the Joker. Joker, the movie that uh, first wowed everybody and then polarized everybody as they were getting stupid. Um, But speaking of stupid, um, I should mention that during our conversation, Scott and I do have a lot of fun uh, with the idea that people were really afraid that Joker would somehow cause mass shootings, and we kind of make fun of the fact that there haven't been any. But um, it has come to my attention that in the time since we recorded this episode, um, there's uh, still no shootings inspired by the Joker, you stupid alarmist bitches. Oh my god, you all sounded so stupid, and you still sound stupid. You stupid stupids. Fuck you. Anyway, so uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Joker, and um, if you thought that shootings were going to result once again, you're fucking stupid, you stupid fucking idiot. Fuck you. But I uh, hope you enjoyed the show. So here I am talking with my buddy Scott about Joker. I love you. So, before uh, before today, I'm assuming you watched Joker again today. Uh, yeah. So uh, I've seen when's, it. A when's the last times. time you watched it? A couple months ago. Yeah, same. It's like become my like Saturday night. I'm putting on a movie that I'm not paying attention to because I'm drunk. Movie, mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's pretty good for that. Not gonna lie, pretty good for but that. But it it still sucks you in. <laughs> it still sucks you in. See, that's the thing. So. One of the things about Joker that pisses me the fuck off is that when it first came out, everybody treated it, at least in the film world, like it was some big, dangerous piece of art. There was all this chatter, like it was going to cause mass shootings by incels. Uh, Entertainment Weekly refused to publish a review because they said that it would be irresponsible and dangerous to do so. So now three years on, Um, As it stands at the moment of this recording, uh, there still have been absolutely no instances of crime associated with the movie Joker at all. There's there there was one, but it was just uh, it was a guy used that as an excuse or something. Um, Wait, which one are you talking about? He was arrested on Halloween and he was dressed as the Joker. And when they asked him his name, he said, Arthur. Oh yeah, yeah, but but I mean, it had nothing to do with. It's not inspired by the movie. It was probably just some drunk idiot 
but yeah, like that's, it's just absolutely insane how the media just came up with this idea almost out of nowhere and then just completely ran with it and then doubled down on it. Like more so than any other movie that I can think of where they, the media basically was boycotting it for no reason whatsoever. And it was no weird that it was such like a, there was such an attack. I know that um, Todd Phillips, the writer slash director, he did like an interview where he said, oh, it's hard to do comedy these days. So I tried to do something else. And then he got excoriated for saying that like cancel culture is real or shit like that. And like, I don't need to get into any of all that. But I think you're right. There was definitely like a pointed like everyone wanted to look like the guy who was tough on this dangerous movie. And I watch it and it's certainly a, a movie that uh, it's evocative, but I don't think I could call it dangerous. Oh gosh, no. I mean, it's, it's any, any movie is very subject, subjective to the point where if you're exploring an idea of causing violence, if, if that's something that's embedded in somebody's head, it's, it's going to happen and not because of a movie. Um, I always go with um, what Billy said in Scream. He says, uh, movies don't create psychopaths. Movies make psychopaths more creative. Yeah. And I think that's a, a decent way to put it, if, uh, if not a, 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 a lyrical way to put it. But um, to have a good question here. What's the, uh, like, what is your experience generally overall with Joker? I mean, I know we agreed to do this episode because we're both big fans, but... Uh, talk about it i mean it's it's it was a movie that as soon as it was announced i was very intrigued um just because of todd phillips because of joaquin phoenix uh joaquin phoenix is i mean joker is probably one of my top 25 of all time that aside all movies yeah nice but joaquin phoenix is in three of my top 15 let me guess time. let me guess so it's um uh inherent vice yes um it is i mean are we sticking with the same guys at the master the master yep and, and then and, and then not then, the same guy and not the same guy so we're talking signs okay oh, yo signs is good no it was the one with nicole kidman from like 1997 i forget the name of it now i'm just kidding um her her is the other one. Oh, her you know what? i've only seen her one time ever and i loved oh. it i need to revisit it I, last time i saw it was in the theater yeah he yeah it's just and out of those movies i would say the master is not my favorite out of those three but his performance in the master might be my favorite of his performance uh, ask this three. question if um you have to pick one guy to continue making movies and one guy to stop making movies uh, who gets to survive, Joaquin Phoenix or Michael Fassbender? Yeah, I remember you asked me that like fifteen or not. 15 years ago, <laughs> back like, when Michael Fassbender was still in movies, I asked you. Yeah, that question. like eight yeah. years ago, and and I easily answered Fassbender back then. But now it's just I would have to go with Joaquin because I feel that he's he's a little bit he, he's a little bit more broad. Um, I think he has more but, interesting but role any, Anything Fast Hunters in, he's just absolutely amazing. I mean, but they're both they're both absolutely amazing. So now, if you ask when you asked me five years ago the same question, I said Fastbender, but now I'm going to go with Joaquin. So let's change the question. 
So now instead of one gets to keep making movies and one has to stop, now the stakes are higher. One gets to keep making movies and the other one is erased. All of their movies that they've already made are gone. Do you still go with Joaquin Phoenix? All of their movies or just their roles? All of their movies. Well, all of their roles. Like, like uh, you know, like Assassin's Creed still exists, but Michael Fassbender's not in it. Yeah, I mean, I would still have to say, sorry, Fassbender, but I just, I can't see who could replace him in 12 Years a Slave. Fair enough. That was, that's one of the best, most hateable pieces of shit in any movie. And he Does he have an that. Oscar for that? I think so. I think yeah, he, he got, uh, I know the Pete Nyong'o got supporting actress for that. Yeah, I think, I think he got support. He was at least nominated, but I Let's mean, I, that's, that, that's one of the, the, my most hated villains in any movie whatsoever i mean so yeah he was nominated did not win he was nominated for that and for steve jobs which is a who, great movie who won who won that yeah uh who won against so that was uh oh, oscars eight? 2014 so let's see oscars 2014 supporting actor oh i, I typed in oscars 2914 harrison ford wins that year i was gonna say yeah we can place bets so Oscars 2014. Oh, you know, you know who won that year for Best Supporting Actor? Oh God, who? Jared Leto for Dallas Buyers Club. Uh, okay, uh, okay. Not undeserved. Not undeserved. Yeah, no, was... But if I put those two next to one another, I think that uh, Fassbender takes it away. Jared Leto's in, Jared Leto. Not to get too far off of. Uh, oh, we can. Well, we can actually, ramble. It, it it loops back in. Jared Leto is one of those actors to me who. He's a great actor, but he, he needs to be reined in to his director or Absolutely. by his director. And he's such a strong presence. I, I have this feeling or I have the same opinion of Jared Leto, Johnny Depp and somewhat Denzel a little bit um, because all three of them are so prolific, such great actors. And they're such big presence is <laughs> um, that a lot of directors are kind of afraid to rein him in a little bit and they just let him go off like whatever they want yeah, to do yeah, yeah. and Denzel it works for the most part Jared Leto and Johnny Depp when it doesn't work it's just um, cringing for me at least it's never uninteresting but yeah it is yeah. often very cringing I think Sean Penn's on that list too yeah um, Sean, Sean Penn yeah he's, he's really good when he's good but like as much as I love the movie Mystic River he is unintentionally hilarious in that movie frequently and it's because he's like trying so hard to chew on scenery that's just not there to chew. I haven't I haven't watched that one in a while, but it's a damn good movie. I mean, it's probably the last time that that uh, Eastwood wasn't just doing you know point shoot cut point shoot cut. Um, his movies now have a lazy feel to them that I don't always. I, he they might actually. I was thinking this the other day. Clint Eastwood may actually be dead, and we're just getting like a weekend at Bernie's kind of thing <laughs> with like directing and. Like I prefer if, he, if it was like, Weekend at Bernie's too, and it wasn't a puppet controlling him, but a uh, kind of dated and racist voodoo curse. <laughs> yes, yes, that was the best. That was the best movie of all time. Um, no, but like if if Clint Eastwood died today, like ten years from now, they'd still be releasing Clint Eastwood directed movies because he took a picture that they used in the in the movie, and they would just you know like oh. We're, the rest of it is shot by a ghost director, so we're, we're fine. I feel like right. it is. Yeah. And he's like and legendary. Well, I think that's what's happening now with him. 
yeah he's like a uh, like a president um yeah. he's uh he's uh he's known for being like a one take jake where it's just i'll fix it in post but uh that has not served him well in his last few movies in my humble opinion i haven't seen anything he's done in, in a while so to route this back to a conversation about joker the supremely dangerous movie joker um, which caused uh, 100% less acts of violence than The Matrix. And um, the dude did kill his parents because he thought he was in The Matrix. Um, so to route it back to Joker, I'm going to ask you a leading question. Scott, what's the best show ever? The Wire. No, what's the best show ever to get us back on track to get to Joker? Gotham. It's Gotham, baby. JCPD! JCPD! So my question is, though, is what Gotham is your favorite version of Gotham? And, like, how does Joker rank within that if it's not that? My favorite version of Gotham might be Gotham, uh, Gotham the show. Um, you can call it Gotham. Yeah, it Gotham to, to, to avoid any kind of confusion. So, it, honestly, I think that might be overall my favorite version of Gotham. Um, the Tim Burton one... I don't know. Like the Tim Burton one, it's, even even when it gets zany, it's it's fun, but it's just too cartoony for me. Um, I do I do like the Joker Gotham, but it's it's more since it's since it's more of an origin story. We're kind of waiting for yeah. you know we're and it's it, it this you know Gotham or uh, Joker started out almost when Gotham started taking a turn for the worst or you know before it became gotham really um, and the whole movie that, hinges upon a big breaking point for Gotham. yeah and 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 we haven't gotten to that point i really like it in the new one too uh in um the, um oh yeah in in the back reeves one yeah matt reeves it, yeah that I, I so they're probably my two favorite versions of gotham um favorite go ahead well i think like i batman returns remains my favorite batman movie I love that level of Gotham. The idea of Batman existing in a more magical world makes more sense to me than a real world Batman. Mm -hmm. But conversely, I think that a real world Joker does fit into a real world template. Um, and I think that Joker's Gotham sort of marries the distance between the Dark Knight, which is just fucking Chicago. I don't actually love that Gotham. Mm -hmm. And something like maybe the first Michael Keaton Batman. Um, but I gotta say, even though Batman Returns is my favorite Batman, I think God Ham might be my favorite version of Gotham. It's because uh, it's like simultaneously modern and like old school gangstery. You know, it feels supernaturally yeah. bad. And so I kind of like how this version of Gotham for Joker, it is a little hyper real. You know, uh, like Mur the Murray show is not a show that I could see anybody in the real world watching. You know, the way that that uh, people interact in the world of Gotham in the Joker is a little bit cartoony, but it has just the right level of realism that we can invoke sort of real world concerns and not I just mean, I don't know, movies. because because the Murray show was kind of inspired by um, what was the show like? Um, why am I drawing a blank? Oh, um, like Leno Letterman. Yeah. No, 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 no. The, um, I mean, yeah, basically like Johnny the, Carson, Johnny Carson, but um, uh, King of Comedy. Yeah, so yeah. I, and, and which which this is heavily Taxi Driver, King of Comedy based, De Niro and everything. 
And what was the what was the guy's name the, the talk show host that in in King of Comedy that gets kidnapped? Jerry Lee Lewis or Jerry uh, Jerry Lewis? Not guy. Jerry Lee Lewis. Not oh, Jerry you kidnapped the baby. <laughs> <laughs> so the, yeah, Jerry Lewis is, and th- and that was inspired by the, uh, but my, the Johnny Carson show. So. In King of Comedy, that felt like the real world. Like the footage from his show felt like Letterman, whereas the the footage from the Murray uh, was it Murray. Abraham uh, yeah. F. Murray Abraham show from the F. Murray <laughs> Abraham show, like the jokes Hello, that he, yeah, the jokes that he makes feel almost fantastical. Now that said, that could just be we're looking at things through Arthur's lens, which spoiler alert, as we all know, is not to be trusted. Um, but this, I mean, then again, though, this takes place in 1981. So, like, I, I was reading something where is that is the, never, the year on it? They actually gave it a year. I don't remember. Todd Phillips did. Okay. It's not addressed in the movie. But um, there's a couple references when they're walking out of the theater. Oh yeah, um, Wolfen. Is one of the uh, yeah. Well, there's Wolfen. a couple. Yeah, there's a couple. Uh, blowout. Like, blowout. Uh, uh, Zorro the Gay oh, Blade. Zorro the Gay Blade. Yeah. Um, and they were both released in uh, like the summer of '81. And in the beginning of the movie, the rate on the radio they say it's October Thursday, October fifteenth. And if you look at a calendar and you go back, it that was on that was in 1981. October 15th was on a Thursday or whatever the day was that they addressed. So Todd Phillips has come out and said that it is 1981, but has never stated officially in the movie. But again, so now you're looking at end of the seventies, early eighties. So I, I feel that the Murray show would kind of exist. Yeah. I, that's, that's a valid point. I guess my point is just, I, I feel like even though this Joker is supposed to be Joker supplanted into the real world, this world feels a little bit more fantastical than uh say the new batman although i think the new batman uh gotham kind of rides that line between fantastical and real like i love the chris nolan batmans and i've probably said this a hundred times on this podcast alone i am not interested in batman in the real world and that's where those movies fail to me because it's just batman doesn't exist in the real world he can't it's so there has to be some level of and so by the time you get to the third one which i love you know, when he's zipping around in his bat plane, it kind of feels incongruent with the rest of the series. Yeah. Uh, yeah whereas when he flies on his cape in the new Batman and he pulls out his little wingsuit, it totally tracks because it's real, not quite real, but yeah, we get it. Yeah, it's, yeah, the the Nolan, Nolan Gotham is the most real Gotham. And yeah, and like the, the, the realest one in existence. As I mean, hinging on Joker. I mean, Joker as well, but again, it's one of those, it's one of those, um, like, it's just like Watchmen, where, you know, if, if the Watchmen existed, at what point did they, did they kind of veer off into their own universe? Yeah. So yeah. If, if Joker existed and, and set off this chain of events that was, you know, he was the igniting switch uh, or the spark plug that lit the, the flame inciting or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he was the, this, the spark that hit the powder keg. Yeah, now it now it's set off into this uh this universe, and we don't know what this Gotham is going to look like because now there is going to be a second one, most likely. I mean, it's oh, announced. there's definitely a second one. It is yeah. announced. Yeah. Um. So I mean, I, I'm curious to see. Well, I'm curious about a lot of things, but I'm curious to see what Gotham is going to look like in the next one. Well, that's what kind of the first time I saw Joker, I the one thing that I was sort of miffed about was the inclusion of Batman lore. 
partially because a lot of the press, everybody was talking about how, oh, you know, we didn't want to make a superhero movie. We wanted to make a movie about mental health and just figured a superhero movie was the way to go about doing it. And when I say superhero, I just mean under the umbrella of the current world of comic book cinema at large. And so I was kind of bugged when they invoke Thomas Wayne, they suggest Thomas Wayne could be his father. He meets a young Bruce Wayne, who, by the way, uh, the first thing he does is slide down a pole, (laughs) which is very fantastic. But like, at first that kind of bugged me, but now I'm sort of into it. I don't buy the idea that they that they wanted to make a movie about mental health and just settled on Joker so that they could get funding. I do believe that this was likely intended to be an in-universe movie for a movie that doesn't have a universe yet. It does not connect proper to any of the other Batman cinema. It's its own thing. Um, How do you feel about the inclusion of Batman lore in what's supposed to be an Arthur Fleck story? Oh, I 100%, I love it. And yeah, even off even off the bat, yeah. Because... Even the pearls at the end, and and yeah, Batman's parents. Because I've grown to really love that. And at first, I was like, "We don't need that. That's not what this is about." But maybe it is. Well, so the, the there's a difference. There's a, doesn't doesn't he um he shoots and then grabs the pearls in this one, right? The... Yeah, in this one, the difference is, and this had never even occurred to me this time. So typically, it's a guy mugs them, doesn't know who they are, just sees them as rich people, and then uh, ends up, you know, the gun goes off, and then he just starts shooting. Um, then they changed it for Batman versus Superman, which was a very important change in that oh, yeah. the guy pulled the gun, but then Thomas Wayne Thomas fights Wayne back, back and then gets shot. In this one, uh, uh, Thomas Wayne just turns around and stops and the guy straight up executes him and he quotes Joker when he says, you get what you deserve. And yeah. so this is the first time that I think they recognize, like the, the assassin rec- recognized that it is Thomas Wayne and was killing him for that and not just for the money and just grabbed the pearls on the way out. Yeah, well, there's, I mean, Gotham, Gotham uh, wasn't, I think it turned out to be an intentional hit and then now the new one the uh the batman uh that was also turned out to be an intentional oh yeah it turned out to be like a, but, a, a yeah, real hit, the, hit yeah but this is yeah, i don't this i think one, this is like, a crime for, of opportunity not a hit hired by anybody it was just a guy that said thomas wayne just scurried down that dark alley and we're yeah. protesting against the man right now he's the man i'm going to take him down and he quotes what joker just said on the yeah. Murray, so this, Murray, well, this one, yeah. show. this was a this was <laughs> this was a targeted attack against thomas wayne which has happened in gotham and has happened since in uh the new the newest batman but it wasn't a common occurrence and again he, he quotes the joker yeah which that's I, the big thing is that this is like and, I and think then he sets off he sets God off ham did it first because got ham introduced a joker that introduced the joker's twin brother who was a joker um But they didn't introduce the Joker. They brought in the idea that he's a Joker and therefore his legacy can be continued by however many Jokers the length of Gotham uh, requires. And so I think that's sort of what's going on here is like he is our Joker for now. He might not necessarily be the Joker who eventually fights Batman, but I also feel like it doesn't matter in the vacuum of Joker. It's just we know Jokers fight Batmans and it's whatever. Yeah, I mean, there could be another Batmans. There could be some more Batmans. Batman could returns because Batman is forever. It's it's he he's a he can rise. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't I didn't have a I didn't have a good one set up for that one. But the, um, I just love 
going back to Thomas Wayne, I just love that it's, I had to look up the actor's name. Um, just, but it's just played, his name is asshole in real life. <laughs> no, is it, is Brett it something Cullen, like no. asshole? Brett Cullen is just like, he's just the biggest asshole in every movie. Oh, and I yeah, love, yeah, yeah. Because I loved how, and he's also the asshole congressman in uh, Dark Knight Rises. Oh, he is, isn't he? Yeah. He's doing all but, the Batmans. Yeah, he's just, he's just, he's just the dick in any movie that he's in. Um, and I thought he was he was pretty perfect to and it kind of routes it back to the, uh, the the Dark Knight series, although it's just a you know, completely different, different actor or, you know, different character. How do you feel about Douglas Hodge as the rather testy Alfred Pennyworth in his one scene in this movie? Um, I thought it was kind of funny. Yeah, uh, it's pretty funny. He gets choked yeah. out a little bit. Yeah. And he's a little he's like a little terrified. and You know, he kind of deserved it. Like, yeah. I, I'll say. I'll, I'll say like I'm not going to go. Although as far he as... was doing his job, like he has to yeah. protect Master Wayne. Well, I mean, I so I'm not going to go as far as saying like any of those people deserve to get killed, but that guy definitely deserved to get choked. Yeah, <laughs> when yeah. you call someone's mom fucking crazy, when he's like, "Your mom's just crazy." Like, yeah, like I've never known Alfred to be cruel. Yeah, and so and he is kind of cruel. That was that was a dick move. That's kind of a, a fundamental change, I guess, because to have Thomas Wayne now as and because Thomas Wayne has always been depicted as like virtuous, like he actually is good and he inspires, you know, good mm -hmm. in his wake. And that's what Batman has to learn to do. This is the first time where at least that I, in, in my memory, or at least my knowledge of Batman, where he is outright a bad guy, a shady guy, your picture of the rich just rich white guy, big businessman, runs everything, has an image that's squeaky clean, but we all know he's actually up to no good, like standard yeah. that guy running for mayor. Of course his Alfred would be cruel. Mm -hmm. He's not as virtuous of an Alfred. And so, yeah, well, that I'm makes asking, sense. Yeah. It's a big distinction. It's a, yeah, I mean, this movie is, is, is more empathy for the devil than sympathy for the devil, but it's just like, let's see... Let's let let's you know classic sympathy for the devil. Let's uh you know let's let's make the villain the hero kind of thing. And but again, this is more empathy for the devil. So the Joker is mm. the good quote unquote good guy in this. He's the protagonist. Yeah, um, I think that's and, why people brushed against it a little bit is because he does sort of he is not one to one, but he is sort of taking the same shape as the dreaded incel culture. Yeah. And, um, because of that, nobody wants to try and empathize with that. I think there was difficulty empathizing with that. And then I also think because the people who donned the clown masks and started to uh, reject were, were the perfect mix of the incel that follows this blind idol, as well as the Antifa that, you know, has a very fascistic way about delivering anti-fascism. <laughs> and like, so mixing those two together and kind of showing that like, extremists of any stripe are often the same person just with a different you know different belief system i think that's difficult for some people to compute and i think that that aided in the collective pushback against joker which mind you was was initially extremely well received it won the golden lion at, at venice and deservedly so and then the pushback came later but I, I think that has something to do with it i mean and but at the end of the day it's a piece of art yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's a, it's a film, you it know, it deserves to be complicated. And, and it, it's the same thing. It's like the difference between, um, you know, there's movies that you watch where you could, say you, watch? you could say you don't, you didn't like the movie, but it was a very good movie because yeah. you're like, um, uh, what's a, 
But I watched Gaspar a movie no. this week. Gaspar yeah, Gaspar no. No. perfect. Irreversible like, is, is a difficult movie to watch. It's any of them. Yeah, but yeah. It's, yeah. And, and even the one scene in um, I think was was it Irreversible? Uh, the tunnel, the rape yes. in the tunnel. Yeah, where they intentionally put in music and noises that were uh, oh, to, just to, to make, make you feel yeah physically queasy and uneasy. They put a brown note scene. in so everyone would poopy their pants. <laughs> But and 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 that's the difference between like just another movie, especially just another comic book movie. And no, this is a piece of art. Like even at the end when he's on the Murray show, when uh, Murray asks Murray, 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 when I go werewolf. <laughs> well, he even asked him. He said, "Was this your intention?" And he said, "No." Like and it when it wasn't. He he had no intention to set off the the chain of events that he did. And I don't think it was even a subconscious intention oh no he was doing his it, own thing yeah he was and getting, it resonated he was having a terrible day which again uh you know i just had a really bad day and three guys start beating the shit out of him he just so happens to have a gun and he and he shoots him and he you know he in his mindset whether the the same version the medicated version the unmedicated version he thought that that was going to be over and he even says i thought i was going to feel bad about but i didn't yeah and then he doesn't really feed into any of you know all everything that's going on he's he's but, almost and the, the second he takes control and i put air quotes around control because killing someone is not control but the illusion of that the second he takes that control things start going well in his life relatively mm. speaking yeah exactly but he he's almost he's almost he he doesn't even put himself on that pedestal of the for lack of a better word, revolution that he created. Mm -hmm. People are, people are idolizing him, but he's also idolizing the idea of him, of, of that character. He's, he's, he's along for the ride. And, and I think that's the brilliance of just the Joker character, especially if you're doing an origin story where, you know, who knows if the Joker was always a villain or if he just was like, one day he committed a violent act and was like, yo, this is fun. Yeah, well, and, and then, I think it comes and down had, to and, and had no empathy for it. And one no of the regrets. reasons why we get weird about uh, the way we report on like mass shootings and things that they tried to connect to this, I think is exactly that. His as a character, Arthur Fleck, is I would love to be beloved. I would love to be F. Murray Abraham, the the show that everyone tunes into. But if I can't be that, I can still be notable in another way. Mm -hmm. um, actually, the, one of the scariest moments of the boys this season is when Homelander makes that threat to Starlight when he says, I'll, I would love to be beloved, but, you know, if you don't want me to be beloved, like second place, destroying the world, that works too. Yeah. It makes no difference to me. Um, I would prefer the one, but, you know, I, I can do it either way. And I think he's a guy with his back against the wall with no social programs, with severe mental illness, who has that idea and goes, well, if I can't be F. Murray Abraham, I can certainly be O.J. Simpson. Yeah. Although, I, again, I don't think the movement was a concern to him because I think there is a, a commentary in the movie about this idea of like the way that because uh, our, our society can be turbulent. And when we get turbulent and we get riotous, we do very quickly adhere to false idols that actually aren't 
of any concern like you don't concern these false idols they just have an ego trip going on but we treat them like these big idols to fuel whatever it is that we're doing or protesting for or against and uh it can be real dangerous and i think that's depicted pretty well here in terms of his ascension as a figure being you know he doesn't feel necessarily a relation to the common man it was just his own ascension and they latched on after mm-hmm. the fact you know yeah, I'm not I'm not a super influential character, so I don't know how how I would feel about a revolution I accidentally started. So I guess it depends on the revolution. Like if I started yeah. a revolution and like by accident and it resulted in like, you know, like Coca-Cola machines are free. Um, you know, that'd be kind of cool. I'd, I'd be into that. But if it resulted in like, you know, people getting hurt, eh, I don't know if I want that legacy. I don't know if I want I just backed out. It's a whole thing. Yeah, I there was also a thing I was reading where it was saying how um, when the, he was getting stomped on the train, you had three guys and they were the enemy in air quotes that um, they were and they were yelling "Stay down, stay down, stay down!" Mm. At the very end, when all those people crash into the ambulance and they start hold, uh, picking them up, not only are they picking them up, but they're saying "Get up, get up, get up." yeah embrace your position yeah because they're lifting him on the car and it's not until he stands up and starts doing his dance that that they have a big huge reaction oh i got chills that part's scary that that, there's so many there's so many scenes in that movie where that gives me goosebumps or just the 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 feelings well Um, i mean the scene where he ostensibly kills zazie beats off camera is uh, when he first emerges from her apartment and it's this great shot that's on a Dutch angle, goes upwards towards him. The music hits, the Oscar-winning music uh, by Hilda Guanoda Tier, I think it's up. Oh, that, that soundtrack is The score is incredible. Yeah. But that scene when he first emerges now, I was not blindsided by the reveal that he imagined his relationship with her. I kind of figured that, I think most people did. It's not a very strong reveal. But the moment where it is revealed, where she comes home and says, you can't be in my apartment. You know, what are you doing? Yeah. Oh, Arthur's your name. And then he exits and we just assume he killed her. Um, that's some really scary shit. And it has a lot to do with the filmmaking since conceptually I knew that was coming. You know, I, I think the filmmaking so strong that there's a lot of those little moments like that that evoke actual horror. Yeah, it's, it's not even just horror. Like the, the, the scene... The, uh, and it's and it's the act one of the actors from Atlanta um, when he when he's reading off when the the guy at the mental institution is reading off the clerk and he's like yeah oh, so Bri- she was Brian in here Tyree for, Henry what's that cameo from Brian Tyree Henry yeah he's he's great uh, he, especially in that like it's one of those it's one of those scenes where he, his eyes say more than his mouth yeah um, he feels like and, he really worked there. Yeah, and and he starts. He's reading, and then as he's reading, he realizes like, oh shit, I shouldn't be telling this because this is about him. Mm -hmm. And then he snatches the, you know, and then he snatches the, the the documents, and he's sitting there reading them in the hallway in that stairwell. That just like that's heartbreaking. Yeah, because he because he he's laughing out of out of his nervousness. He's yeah, like so he's really crying. And he's reading just how horrible, like, like, you know, he's finally realizes what's wrong with him. Yeah, he realizes what's wrong with brain damage. And he like realizes to, and like he gets the idea to embrace it. Yeah, to kind of just roll with it. It, Interesting thing about Brian Tyree Henry. You know where he got his start? Where 
He was the original general butt fucking naked in Book of Mormon. Oh my god, that's that's hilarious. Which that's great casting. And I say that yeah. now as if they cast, you know, general butt with, with I, modern days. I, I completely forgot about that. General butt fucking naked. Oh, it was so uh which also uh general buck naked was a real person. Oh my god, that's yeah. disturbing. Oh yeah, real person. So yeah. based on the thing. Speaking of real villains, um yeah, I mean that, but that scene that I remember just watching that for the first time. I mean that that just chokes you up right there. Oh, There's yeah. that scene, and then it also and it cuts to his young, his hot young mom from Mindhunter. Yeah, um, but then of course the uh, the the scene with Gary. Oh for no! I think that scene is brilliant. It is brilliant because yes, like, it not only is it like you feel justified because his big fat friend totally fucked him, um, but you feel like I feel bad for like, Gary is the little person. Yes. Yeah. I feel bad for him. And I, that scene to me is masterful because there's a, there's a version of that scene that makes the fact that he's a little person, the butt of the joke. And this version of the scene doesn't make him the butt of the joke. It almost makes him the hero of the moment. And it still finds a way to use dark humor regarding his height, uh, where he can't reach the lock on the way out. Oh, yeah. And that then, was... But then he's like, hey, Gary, you were always nice to me. I got the lock for you. And Gary's terrified. Like, is he going to kiss him on the forehead? Gives him gives the little kiss on the forehead. But like, that's a scary scene. And like, I don't know. I, I think that's a really good characterization moment for Gary, who's barely a character. I mean, that, yeah, it's terrifying. That, Stabs a guy in the fucking eye. Oh. That, that five minute, like I, I, I think it was even less than five minutes. Yeah, it's like two or three minutes. Is one of max. the best roller coasters of a scene ever. Oh yeah. You come in, it's you get tense. a new job. Why are you wearing the face paint? Yeah, like you come in, it's it's tense. He's already past that point. He just killed his mom. He's there. You know, you know why Randall's there. Randall's there. The the the, the big douche. To, well, when he first cover walks his own in, ass he sounds genuine at first, though. At first, he, at first, he sounds genuine. He says, oh, yeah, we figured you might be down. Maybe, you know, we have a drink or something. And it seems like a genuine, we showed up here to care. And then we find out that he's there to, to cover his tracks on the gun. Yeah. And, I mean, you don't know. Maybe that, you know, maybe he's there to do him, do him harm. And, he, and they, they, they find, they, now they find. And the poor Gary's author. just along to be a nice guy. Like, I think he believes they're just having some drinks. Well, the, and the, yeah, there's, I mean, because there's so many things that, that are happening in there are, uh, uh, actually, I feel great about it. Like, <laughs> why are you wearing yeah. makeup? My mom died. <laughs> yeah, I'm so just he, celebrating. Yeah, he's already, like, he's already basically, and now he's in full swing. And this is the first, it's past the turning point. This is the first kill where he's already, he's already the Joker. This is. He and knows he's going to be on F. Murray Abraham that night. Yeah, and he still so he's has, just like reeling. Still, he still has some kind of attachment towards poor Gary. And even, yeah, like you said, Gary has no idea where he's, why he's there because Randall goes, you Gary know. Gary really uh, is just being nice. I get the sense that Gary was being manipulated much the same way that he always manipulated Arthur. Yeah, exactly. And then just when he goes to walk out and blah, <laughs> yeah. jump, where he jumps at him and he goes, well, I'm just kidding or something like, oh. The, what's important about that scene is up until that moment, he doesn't actually do anything that's purposefully him being funny that's actually funny. That moment where he does the, ah, that's actually legitimately funny. It's just now it's it's entered the realm of supremely fucked up. I don't know, the, 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 the punching out when he gets fired. And he goes, yeah. I forgot to punch out. <laughs> ah! 
but even then his delivery's off because after yeah. he does it he gives them like a get it get it and it's like <laughs> no 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 you gotta exit man you gotta walk out on that albert brooks that shit yeah oh my goodness now, the, that, um, that, that, what were you saying no go ahead good yeah I've, I've, the the other scene that i was now i just drew a blank i'm sorry <laughs> oh it's okay i have a couple notes and we're gonna take a commercial break in about two minutes anyway um one of the things that I noticed this time around that uh, that pleased me is they did a lot of imagery and song pulling from Charlie Chaplin's uh, Modern Times. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, at the end, during the big protest, there's apparently a Modern Times exhibit happening at, at whatever that art gallery is. They show the banners of it. And Modern Times is a movie about a man struggling to keep up with society as it advances beyond him which is mm -hmm. sort of what uh, the middle class and generally the people represented by the people of Gotham in this movie, uh, that is, that is, that's who we are. And that's what's happening right now is the rich are getting richer, the poor are getting poorer and everything's kind of skating by us. You know, it's a process that's been happening for 50 years and has come to a head. And so I love that they invoke modern times. They use the Jimmy Durante song, uh, when you're smiling, oh, you smile, the whole world smile. That's the theme to modern times. That was written for modern times. And uh, I don't, I just, I, that was something that never clicked with me before. Like I saw that imagery there, but I never really thought to give it any due. And watching it this time, I'm like, oh, well, there you go. It's, uh, he's thinking on the same, the same realm here. And Scott Phillips, before he became the comedy guy, he was an NYU grad and he was like a punk rock filmmaker sort of thing. So this is definitely, uh, uh, I feel like he's digging into those, those roots a little bit. But um, we have about a minute left before we have to cut to commercials. So I'm just going to do it now. And we'll be back after this to go over some notes, talk about what we've been watching lately. So uh, stay tuned, everybody. And that is that. <laughs> So one of the things that I noticed uh, this time around that really stood out to me is when he's on his way to the F. Murray Abraham show and he's being pursued by the night of and Shea Wiggum and he gets onto the train. And so uh, Shea Wiggum's chasing him and he's yelling, get the fuck down, get the fuck down. So Shea what Wiggum is doing Shea Wiggum, Shea Wiggum doing Shea Wiggum, but with Gotham hair. And um, I, I would have killed for him to say, JCPD, but he didn't do it. Oh, oh it would have been so good. But uh, how does the riot on the train start? Do you remember? He shoots somebody, right? No, it starts. Uh, the shooting happens after the oh, riot starts. Yeah. Joaquin he steals Phoenix, someone's mask. He steals someone's mask. He moves out of the way. The guy thinks someone else stole his mask. And the two of them start fighting. Yeah. What a perfect microcosm for exactly what's happening at large. And because after he steals the mask, he puts the mask on and fades away. He's got two guys that are fighting each other that don't even know, he, know each other while he gets to walk away from it scot-free. <laughs> and that's exactly what's happening. And I think that's where the, the idea of like false idols popped in my head this time while watching it is that that's exactly what happens is someone will, will take two people that are tested up, pin them against one another, and then move away anonymously yep. and do whatever it is that they got to do. And that's exactly what Joker's doing. It's exactly what a lot of authority figures in our world do. And it's exactly what happens in that moment. And then poor Shea Wiggum, he gets put into critical condition, according to the uh, news. But stable. But stable. Critical, but stable condition. Stable condition. Yeah. I, the, and that's, that's the whole thing where it, 
at that point again, right after the whole uh, Randall, where he kills Randall scene, that's when I, you know, you kind of lose, at least I, that's when I lose personally. It's like, all right, now you're just an instigator. Yeah. Now, now you're now beyond you saving. That, yeah. Now you are that villain. Like at, at first, it's, you know, Thomas Wayne and the rich elite are the villains. And now you're kind of thrown away and then you've, you've almost come full circle where now you are a, also a villain, but there's just two of you. There's now there's two villains and there's, a, you know, you lose a little bit of empathy uh, for him at that point, yet you still kind of have it when he gets to the actual show and, and gets on there. And, but I feel that the De Niro's character, Murray Abraham, Murray, <laughs> Murray is, is great at, because, because at that point, at that point, you're 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 not rooting against Joker, in my opinion. But at that point, you're saying, okay, what you, what you're doing is wrong. And then, well, it's also mixed in, in the fact that that like we know he's gonna be Joker. That's what this movie's yeah. promising us, you know. Yeah, like, well, and then, but Murray at that point comes comes back and just doubles down on being a fucking asshole to him, mm. which just fans, which you know at least starts getting people you know yeah, gets them charged up. up well i think that so what's scarier and and i think this joker gives us both is he starts as a joker who he's not into chaos he's indifferent to it and he very and he very clearly says oh i don't, I don't care about any of that that's I, yeah. i'm not making a political statement but then it slowly turns into he's dancing on the car and he's like, isn't this chaos beautiful? And the Joker, as we always know, is the one that likes chaos and tries tries to invoke chaos. This one goes from being lackadaisical about the chaos that he accidentally uh, inspires. And then the chaos sort of transforms him into someone who embraces it. I love watching that transition. And I don't think we've ever seen that with a Joker before. Nicholson's oh, no. Joker was just a mobster that that, you know, went off uh Heath Ledger's Joker was always a chaos agent he gets off on chaos whereas this guy it does feel like a natural progression from loser who gets drunk on power but doesn't you know doesn't really care to now he's fucking wasted on power and oh, yeah. and loves the chaos and well, so I, I, I think that the to me the the Joker that doesn't love chaos and is just passive about it might even be scarier than the one who loves chaos and tries to cause it because and, and trying to cause chaos to is predictable um, doesn't yeah, care is wholly unpredictable with with uh general butt fucking naked where he says i thought i was gonna be I, he's like i did a bad thing thought i was gonna feel bad about it he's like but i kind of like that and it's yeah. like and, and now it's like yeah now you've and then you know goes kills goes kills mom goes and kills randall and now he's uh, starting riots on trains. And next thing you know, he's killing uh, talk show hosts. You know What's who he deal, doesn't guy? kill, though? He doesn't kill testy producers played by Mark Maron. Yeah. He just he just frustrates them greatly. That, well, it's funny. When they, he, when they cut like, to him off stage, yeah. just standing there like, you fucker. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. so good. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny. Um, I'm glad you brought up Maron because um, when this first came out, it was it was another one like the informant did it too, where Todd Phillips is you know a, a comedic filmmaker, and he said, "Okay, I'm not going to make a comedy, but I'm just going to use a ton of comedians in this." Yeah, Sam Morrill's in it, um, Gary Goldman's in it, um, and then uh, I'm sorry, who was the first one you said? Sam Morrill. Sam Morrill. Oh yeah, and then um, Brian. Um, 
he's always he used to always be on it. He was he was in other Todd Phillips movies. Um, what character? Uh, Brian Callen, I think. Who is he in Joker? He's he's just one of the clowns. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. I mean that makes sense because he's like a jack dude, yeah. Yeah, and uh, but but also it, like I was I was gonna uh, say before and, and kind of bring up that where you know it's it's oh this isn't a comedy. Well, it, it's a comedy. It's just the anti comedy, and I used to always joke about Aronofsky's movies were like that, where mm-hmm. it was like where the it's it's a comedy, but the punchline is just fucked up, like the wrestler, yeah. and then it, he then then. Um, you know, Joker goes on at the end where he's telling that you're you're knock knock. Who's there? It's the police, ma'am. Yeah. Your son's been killed in a car accident. That's not fun. Like, but that's what that movie is. Like, it, yeah. it's it it is a comedy, but the punchline's just fucking sad and it's just you know. Um, but it's funny because that is Todd Phillips. I think this is his first. Uh, or no, war, I, I didn't see War Dogs, but I don't know if that War was Dogs for- is more expressly comedy than this, but less yeah. expressly comedy than, say, uh, you know, uh, Road Trip or, or Old School yeah. or whatever. Although I still think that uh, besides Joker, my favorite movie of his is Starsky and Hutch. I think that movie's goddamn brilliant. Starsky and Hutch was great, but it, it, um, it, I read that it got hacked, which is why, and it, and it, it's like only like an hour and a half long. But yeah, like, that makes sense. But man, it's funny. It's like a very, and it's a handsome movie. And I think that's, yeah. uh, uh, there was something I was going to say before we get into the craft of it, but this is a gorgeous movie. Yeah. The Joker is, is just a technical marvel, I think, top to bottom. But, um, oh, what did I, fuck, I lost my train of thought because drugs. Um, ah, whatever, I'll think of it. I do have um, notes. I texted you earlier and you're like, yeah, save that. But one of the other things I read was um, Todd Phillips sent the, uh, what was the, what was the composer's name? Uh, Hilda Guonadatir. I don't know if that, that's how I say it phonetically. I actually don't know how Guonadatir. Either way, um, she fucking crushed it. Well, not only did she crush it, but um, he, I, I guess Sergio Leone used to do this um, where they would have the uh, composer score the music before the they would give him the screenplay yeah, yeah. and kind of give him direction and say this is kind of what, what the tone i want set for this scene and then play that for the cast as opposed to someone coming in after the, the film was made and scoring it that way mm-hmm. um so even the even the bathroom dance song uh scene it was he was just supposed to go in and throw the gun away or you know take rip off his clothes but when he heard that cello uh, solo, he just was like, oh, my gosh. And he's kind of started dancing. So that scene was just that's so cool. And, and, and even I think um, I think it was like the first scene where he sheds a tear like that was not in the script. He just uh, I think he just was just so Phoenix being brilliant. He just Joaquin Phoenix being Joaquin Phoenix, uh, you know, and the tear came in. It was like, oh, that's just perfect. Like. The. Um... But, uh, Remember when he won the very, Oscar like, for this and he uh, he that? like when he won the Oscar and he used his acceptance speech to come hard at cereal. <laughs> stop he was like stop real into milk. milk. <laughs> it was so stop funny. Stop drinking milk. You're stealing mother's milk. 
You know, though, that speech beats any other activism laced speech awards acceptance speech that I have ever heard. Because uh, he just is like, I'm coming hard at cereal. It's like, wow, you're big moment in the sun. You're going for cereal. Fucking respect, bro. Well, it's funny and I love cereal, but it was just it's like, funny because he, such he, a great he, weird moment. He won. He won the award for playing somebody who is put up on a pedestal for being inadvertently the voice of the people, uh, the voice of the voiceless. Mm. And he used that to fight for cows who don't, who can't say any words except moo. So, so he, he kind of just used the whole platform. It's like, oh, we've come, uh, we've come full circle. That's what Joker's all about. He wants to protect dairy cows, really at yeah. his core, if you dig back to the Frank Miller stuff. I was also thinking how, 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 um, like upon this re rewatch this is this the first time and possibly the only time well maybe it's probably happened in gotham because everything's happened in gotham um that the that the the villagers the the background people the, citizens you know, the gotham the gothamites gothamites <laughs> the, the, the gothams were were aggressive or fighters like before they're always just poor they're like helpless that's why there's you know poor, batman half 19 that? they're like half contemporary half 1930s they're poor but like they will throw fruit at a speech that happens regularly in gotham lore like they feel like rubble 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 citizens where they're you know this is the first time that I, they actually kind of felt a little bit more like the real world like they're, they're a lot Historically in Batman, a lot of crimes happen in the eyes of the town folks watching like a civic function and they just mm -hmm. let it happen because they're just a bunch of little rah, 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 like Yeah, but the, and but this one, this one, I mean their their target was Thomas Wayne and the elite. And now I am curious, you know, that's why I want to it goes back to one of your questions earlier of like, did you like the whole fact that it they in, included Bruce yeah. and Batman? Because I would love to see how this would affect batman is he is he going to be um what, what what's what's the superman um comic where where superman's the bad guy because he's like you guys just ruined everything now now i'm the military uh, police uh so i'm wondering in, in if, justice if, ju yeah uh, something like that but, yeah but if 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 this is batman's backstory i expect this is the type of that's the type of batman we would get because yeah he's now against it's it's now him against the people not protecting the people yeah and which like iteration of batman do you think could most accurately follow this joker um dark dark knight dark knight yeah because we he because heath ledger heath ledger's was semi-set in, in in the real world too um and this yeah. guy was as well i don't know enough about the um the original movie and series, the Adam West one, uh, Joker, with uh, Cesar, Cesar, Cesar um, Romero. Is this Cesar Romero? Cesar Romero, and he kept his mustache. Yeah. Um, they just so I don't know. That fucking thing. Yeah, I don't know enough about him, his character, but I mean, it, back back then, did they even give villains backstories? No, no, um, that like predates them. That was back before Batman even had My Parents Are Dead. Yeah. He was just, he's so, a guy who likes bats. Yeah, so you have the 1989 one, which is Nicholson. Yep. And it's he's a psychotic gangster because he's just a fucking sociopath who falls in a vat of chemicals. And voila, we have the Joker. And then you have Gotham, who it's uh, you know a, a psychotic kid who 
you know, plays both both sides and because his mom was a psychopath and then his twin brother, after he dies, his twin brother gets exposed to a chemical and that's how he became the Joker. So, I mean, there's there's those there's those reasons. We don't know why Heath Ledger's Joker was was the way he was. Um, and because him and Arthur's are the most set in reality, um, I could see that happening, you know, it, like that, yeah. that course are transpiring that way. Another I feel like it connects best with the Pattinson Batman. I think that his one, I, oh, I think yeah. that Gotham's pretty close to this Gotham. It's mm-hmm. a little different. Um, and I do hope that in sequels, they kind of like lean into things like Mr. Freeze and stuff to like, you know, make it a little weird and supernaturally. Cause I think that works that too. Miss Fries. Yeah. Ms. Fries. Ice Fries. But um, yeah, I, but I, I think you're right. Either that or, or the, the Christian Bale Batman, but I don't know. I guess I'm just not like the Christian Bale Batman movies I love, but they're like my least favorite Batman movies. I, I, I love them. It's, and I, I will watch the Dark Knight Rises six times in a row but i i get great i get the gripes with them yeah and um, like I mean, they're, they're not big gripes big, i think fun, they're awesome movies this is yeah, not my preferred flavor yeah but the the i uh do you ever read those like fan theories where um they may or may not there it's like oh that makes a, a plot hole or a backstory plausible um where like Doc Brown used the the time machine for gambling. That's how he amassed the fortune because in yeah, the third yeah. one, he says the Von Brauns came over from Germany with nothing. And 40 years later, he's squandering away this huge fortune that they had. Like, okay, they could have invested in oil. However, 40 years is kind of a short time to become multimillionaires, you know, whatever. But one of them was Heath Ledger's uh, Joker. Uh, oh, was just Iraq war sold- veteran? yeah with that where whatever the war is in, in yeah in, in gotham world yeah gotham style um but just with extreme ptsd which is why he's so uh comfortable and familiar with weapons and he's he like an old version of, of uh the guest yeah he's he's actually able to hold his own in a fight against batman as opposed to when being a batman takes out a dozen guys at the same time yeah he still beats joker's ass but but Joker and, doesn't I mean, Joker care. Holds he's, his own for a little bit. Yeah, and he's got um, a devil may care attitude. He wants you to run yeah. him over with the truck. And I feel that, that that could fit. However, I mean, I don't. I I am just. I'm. This is one of those movies where I'm glad they they're making a sequel, but I'm glad they waited long because yeah. it gives it gave us and it doesn't come out to till 2024. Yeah, and it, and it, so I mean, it gives us enough time to digest because we're talking about it now, like. Zazie Beats is, uh, is is listed as being in the second one, yeah. but I mean that gave us enough time to think: is she dead? That gave us enough. It gives us enough time to kind of ponder and and chew on the like: is is Thomas Wayne really his dad? Because mm-hmm. that, that's still not said. I yeah, mean, it's it, not said. His mom could be crazy, or she could have been railroaded by you know a patriarchal or system. both, a mixture of both. Or both. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It all makes sense. And and then that's like like and if and if Thomas Wayne isn't his dad, was he even adopted? Because yeah, so there's so, there's so many if factors that if they would have left it open, that would have been fine. And you know, I, I it's it's one of those not not a cliffhanger, but it's one of those things that I, I just I those were probably left in purpose to be purposefully oh, yeah. to be simultaneously ambiguous so that it's fun and we've got some threads to play with. Although. Exactly. 
what I understand about the sequel, um, it is confirmed that Gaga is going to be Harley Quinn. And it is confirmed that it's mostly taking place at the mental institution. So it's going to be sort of like him turning Dr. Quinzel mm-hmm. into Harley Quinn. It's also confirmed that it's going to be a musical, which I think means it's going to be another another like Joker, but more in the way that Joker has an unreliable narrator, but they don't confirm that until later on. I'm yeah. assuming that the sequel uh, is going to be very open about the unreliable narrator and therefore able to descend into flights of fancy the entire time, which, which I'm into. would explain the musical. Which would explain like, the musical. Yeah. And the title is Folie a Deux, which means madness for two. Mm-hmm. And um, that's a, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a psychological term, basically meaning if you put a crazy person in a room with a not crazy person, there's a chance that that psychosis might spread, even if it's not chemical for the one person, just because the way we latch onto delusions, a la the dawn of Harley Quinn, who went from a doctor to a Stockholm syndrome psychopath. And so I, I don't know, I'm into it and I love musicals. I know you said you're not very into musicals. I hate musicals, but I mean, I, this is, this is one of those that's completely on a different level and I'm just, because I, I mean, if it's a straightforward musical, I, I, I can't see how they would pull off a straightforward musical. But I could, I could see them pulling off, you know, seven, eight musical numbers because it's if it's especially if it's in his mind. Yeah. Um, I mean, because that would be and and I'm just curious as to when it takes place as well. Because even at the end of the movie, he's kind of in when he's in the mental institution, he's got the gray gray hair. Yeah. yeah you know starting to gray a little bit yeah time time may have passed yeah well that's the other thing too is we don't know how long between the end of the riot and the pre-credit sequence where he's in the uh the insane asylum i guess arkham we don't know how much time passed between those two moments so like we could squeeze a whole other movie into there before he gets picked up you know or you know so yeah and yeah the gray hair someone pointed that out that is interesting um, I do love that he kills his doctor and yeah. they don't show anything except the bloody footprints. That's a beautiful touch. And yeah, and that's why I I was always under the um, argument that he didn't kill uh, what Zazie Beats' character, Sophie? Sophia? Um, yeah, I just always thought of her as the neighbor. Yeah. I always thought of her as fucking hot. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's uh, Sophie, yeah. That's why, like, I always was against that he killed her because there wasn't any kind of bloody footprints. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, there, you know, there was, um, you know, when he killed the doctor. But it's just, oh, yeah. I'm, but who I'm knows? Totally yeah, it's, an, for, it's totally ambiguous. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, there's, I'm so down for a sequel. I don't care if it's a musical. I'm one of those people who I, I say, just because you make a, a sequel or a remake of something, it doesn't take away from the original. Yeah um it's always the only time i don't yeah the only time i don't like them is if something else was going to be made and now it's not because this fuck yeah and like this i don't think they they both did and didn't intend a sequel like there was hope for one i'd imagine but it was not in the plans um yeah i'm as as long as they keep pumping them out weird and they don't just do a direct like i like that it's a musical because it means it's not just here's what happens next it's yeah they're doing something with the form so pop quiz hot shot Pop quiz. Joker is one of two characters for which two different actors won an Oscar for playing it. Do you know who the other other character is? 
the, the other actor or character? No, no, no. So two people have won Oscars now for playing Joker. There's another yeah, character um, that two people played and each got an Oscar. Brando and De Niro for um, Godfather, right. Godfather 2, uh, Corleone. Is it Vito? Vito Corleone, yeah. yep. Yeah. That's so crazy. And of course, it goes back to De Niro, which so many things go back to De Niro in this. I mean, you have, because it, it's basically... Yeah, it uh, is King Taxi Comedy, Driver, King Comedy. Taxi Driver. Um, that I, I read something where Joaquin Phoenix, when he was younger, was... Um, thinking about getting out of acting and uh, Rivers uh, brought home Raging Bull. And he's like, put this on. This is why you're not getting out of comedy or out of acting. I'm sorry. And so that kept him in acting. Um, I also read that they, him and De Niro butted heads. Oh, I'm sure. Um, So, but here, and and the reason why is, is De Niro is like, no, I do read throughs for all of my movies. Like that's, that's non-negotiable. That's just how you act. That's yeah. how you make movies. I did Dirty Joaquin... Grandpa that way. I did Grudge Match <laughs> that way. This is how Dirty you make classics. Actually, pretty funny. Did you? See I'm that? sure it is. No, I, I have not it's, seen it. it. I, I, I was totally really. I, was I would love to watch. I need to watch Grudge Match. I mean, that movie's stupid, but nobody likes Stallone and Rocky more than I do. So I got yeah. it. Uh, but yeah, so the uh, and and Joaquin Phoenix is completely against that because one of the reasons um, is is his anxiety. So he likes to channel that through. Yeah likes to channel that through um you know when they when they start filming so he can do a couple different interpretations so he refused to do the read through they finally got him to do it and he was so nervous especially just being around his idol robert de niro that he basically just mumbled all the lines it's so funny i love that he's just died in the wool weird as shit yeah i mean and then and then um i think i think De Niro got pissed and then they had, they kind of sat down and he's like, this is why, like, and De Niro's like, oh, you know, I'm, you know, I'm sorry then. And so like, and, and Joaquin Phoenix went on to say like De Niro is his favorite actor or something. I mean, so. they're two like Titanic talents. So yeah. of course they're going to butt heads. And also it didn't help that apparently Robert De Niro was just eating cereal nonstop the entire time. Yeah. Are you eating are you eating oat milk, Murray? He's like, no, this is dairy milk. What are you talking about? It's like, ah! <laughs> that was actually the curb beer enthusiasm did a whole thing um this past season about that, where instead of instead of Joaquin Phoenix, it was just Woody Harrelson playing Woody Harrelson. Yeah. And and he and he refused to work with Larry in unless he found out that Larry uh only drank milk from his own cow. So, of course, Larry had to come up with a cow that didn't exist. <laughs> That's so fucking funny. I got to catch up. I'm like two seasons behind, yeah. This season was pretty good, but the last season... No, no, it wasn't was pretty good. Season. It was pretty, pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. So, um, I don't know. Do you have any other final thoughts on Joker? Um, I mean, Before we no, wrap it up? Yeah, I mean it's it's just one of those one of those movies that uh, you know I'm gonna watch it again or we're gonna end this and I'm like shit I wish we kind of sussed out this uh, or talked about this but it's gonna be it's one of those movies that I've seen I want to say start to finish four times um, and there's always nuances and uh, you know things that I kind of pick up on or yeah, you know, someone else like you point out and it's just like oh didn't didn't even kind of pick this up and. It doesn't, it doesn't get stale for me. That movie does not get stale. Yeah, I can put it on any time and fall into it. And I think a lot of it has to do with just the craft. It is such a gorgeous movie. And it is hands down one of the best 4K discs that I own. The transfer to that 4K is 
perfect. And it's just such a lush, dense movie. I love everything about it. Yeah, and 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 I just love Batman fodder. Yeah, um, yeah, I like the Batman. Not Thomas world. Wayne. Not not Thomas Wayne. I don't like Batman's fodder. I like Batman fodder. Yeah, not his fodder. <laughs> no, but there's and and there's just so much of it, and this is one of the best that we have. Oh yeah. I mean, you, you have Got Ham. You have like not even including the cartoons. You have Got Ham. You have the Adam West show, the movie. You have the Michael Keaton, Val Kilmer, George Clooney uh, series, which seemed to be one kind of story arc you have the nolan ones um you have the new one which is definitely getting a sequel especially how they left it with uh, their variation of the joker but um which yeah I, I love that actor too and i can't wait to see him more as the joker and in- did you see um the killing of a sacred deer yeah yeah he's i just terrifying. watched another movie with i just watched another movie with him uh and it's it, it's it's an irish movie and i forget what it was i watched it last week and it was pretty good uh, he's good he, though he's a good actor he's he's, he's a very a good actor pretty, and, pretty good and like his his joker looks disturbing like like yeah. it, it his face is fucked up like yeah he, and like just the patches of hair and it was, now, i don't know if they're actually gonna follow through with him as joker right away like i know mm-hmm. that if they do joker he'll be the guy but um i've heard rumors that he might just be an always at arkham presence the way that he was like kind of egging him on and i've also heard rumors that like and this is rumors that they're courting the idea of mads mickelson being mr freeze which i am into oh, oh baby i'm gosh. into that mads mickelson as mr freeze but trying to do like a liam neeson just <laughs> like a, a Liam Neeson uh, in Life is Too Short. Like if Mads Mikkelsen was playing that version of Liam Neeson yeah. as Mr. Freeze, that would be the best thing ever. Everybody, I mean, Liam Neeson's he's from chill. Scandinavia, so he is Mr. Freeze. Tell me, Will, can you chill? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree. I think just bad. Like, it's so weird that the things that have been popular for my whole life are like Ninja Turtles ghostbusters and batman everybody loves those things and yeah. they are three of the weirdest things to to come down in terms of just like the the lore but yeah I, batman is just you put batman in it i mean fuck the uh man of steel which is my favorite superhero movie was not well loved by a lot of people and that's why batman versus superman existed is because they were like throw batman in it people love batman yeah. And it could, because of Batman is that he is the ranch dressing of movies. You throw Batman in and people are going to have to taste it. Yeah. Even in like, even in, again, it's, it, there's, cause he's not in this. Well, I mean, he's Bruce Wayne in this, yeah. Batman's not in it, but even, um, even extended to um, Justice League, even extended to Suicide Squad. And then, the, and the second one, which then led into Peacemaker which okay. he's not in, but he's referenced. It's the same. It's it's all Batman fodder. So uh, and, and you know, and that's so, why WB's fucking up because they they shelved and are apparently deleting Batgirl. Um, that the Batgirl movie is done. It's made, and WB said uh, we actually found out that we can make more money if we don't release it, so we're throwing it in the trash. And Who was it? Uh, I forget what the actress's name was, but the villain was Brendan Fraser. And it also was going to mark the return of Michael Keaton as Batman. And he apparently um, shot a bunch of stuff for that. He's he's shot a bunch of stuff for Aquaman too. So like they were going to try and build this world with the multiverse with Flashpoint. 
And so Flash is still coming out, but yeah, Batgirl got shelved. WB's fucking up. Uh, there was a Joker movie that came out at, I believe, TIFF this year, Toronto International Film Festival. It had one screening, and it's not on brand. It's not owned by Warner Brothers, but it's a parody movie where a trans woman told her story of coming out via a DC Joker origin story that she wrote and directed. And apparently it's very good, but um, uh, she got a cease and desist from Warner Brothers. So, like, they're really, like, not sure what's going on with... Uh, and I should... I should uh, state i stand by the filmmaker on this one they should absolutely not do the cease and desist they should absolutely let this movie i believe it falls under uh, f- uh fair use doctrine yeah and uh parody so like they really don't have any any ground as far as i understand it but also like you know somebody just making a personal film using some uh off-brand dc iconography does not feel like it's gonna hurt warner brothers nearly so much as them deleting batgirl and pissing everyone <laughs> off would do it's it's one of those things that it's going to get released probably at some point when they shuffle up like the uh like the the that was that was another thing I read where Todd Phillips um, they shuffled up like whoever was in charge of the DC oh, yeah. uh, branch of Warner Brothers and it was a guy who was like he was part of New Line and they brought him over once they shut New Line down and they, it was like the guy was like kind of insecure he's like oh shit I'm in charge of DC or whatever and Todd Phillips like used that to his advantage where he's like all right so now I can just be like. We're making a sixty film, sixty-five million dollar movie. Leave us the fuck alone. Kind yeah, of thing. it's a separate. And the guy was, was kind of just too afraid to, like he said, he was kind of too afraid to. I step feel like in. that's that's DC's issue is that like now they're in a position where like Joker made it possible for them to say that overall continuity doesn't matter. Just take them one off. The Batman ran with that. Like there's no continuity that that adheres to. Um, yet they're still trying to create and adhere to some sort of massive continuity involving the multiverse, involving Justice League, involving, and it's like I, I don't even see the point. Just just use the characters. Like we're all tired of the connectivity by now. I yeah. think the fact that everyone's souring even on on like Marvel properties is proof that like this is too much to keep up with, man. Just like give me a good movie. I hate the I hate the whole multiverse thing. I liked I liked Spider Man. I enjoyed it. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of Doctor Strange. Again, I liked Loki just because I, it was a good show, but the whole yeah. multiverse is just exhausting to me. And I it's don't, too much. I, don't yeah. Like it. Yeah. I like the idea. It's fun, but it's just we are copying what comic books did, which was we need to sell more issues. So we need to pump out more issues. So we need to just build a multiverse so that we always have stories going. And it's great because you can pick which stories you like, but it's bad if you want to maintain. Not a fan. But um, we got to wrap this up shortly here. Uh, do you have anything that you've seen lately that you would like to recommend to the listeners? Uh, not off the top of my head, because uh, it was mainly catch up with shows. <laughs> You've just been um, watching Gotham. Oh, my God. No, I, I, I already finished the rewatch of Gotham. <laughs> nice. Months ago. I'm about to start it again. It's the best show ever. It's the best. Well, I'll make this recommendation for listeners that have Shudder. There is a movie that dropped this weekend called Speak No Evil. And you can uh, read my review of it on scullyvision.com. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's a really fucked up movie. It's a a very funny games-esque in terms of it's very cruel and it is designed to be cruel to you, the viewer, which I love those movies. So if you have Shudder, check out Speak No Evil. Otherwise, mark it down. You should just get Shudder. Shudder's great. Um, 
Otherwise, just mark it down and watch it when it comes out because that movie rocks. I, ha- I do. I do. There was a, one I watched a couple weeks ago um, yeah. on HBO, Blue Bayou. Blue um, Bayou. It's Blue Bayou, and I don't know who directed it. I think I think it was the 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 actor that, uh, directed it as well. But it is a. Um, it takes place in New Orleans, my favorite city. So that's always a, a plus. But it's about it's written uh, and directed by Justin Chan, who is also the star. Yeah, so he he plays a guy who uh, he is a Korean adoptee, as uh, but he's an adult. He gets in a little bit of legal trouble. Um, again, kind of victim of victim of the legal trouble, and he finds out that his parents never filed the right paperwork to get him to be a legal citizen. So now he's uh... facing deportation, and he never he does ha- has no recollection of ever living in korea and um this is inspired because apparently it's a thing um, yeah i mean it makes sense i, I it's, see that it's horrifying it's awful i mean I, I can't even imagine like being adopted and growing up from all of my memories in this country and then all like all of a sudden it's like oh hey by the way um you know, you get you got in trouble for this, that, or the other. We're gonna deport you to Russia or like yeah, where, where you have like, no roots, you have nothing you don't established. Speak the language, yeah, you don't, know, you don't know a single person over there. And it's um it's that movie, it's it was a really good, really good movie. Again, like I not really on anyone's radar, but um yeah, I highly recommend that. Blue Bayou. Right on. Oh, hell yeah, right on. Well, dude, thank you so much for popping on the show. And thank you to all the listeners for your patience with everything. I know it's been a while since we dropped an episode and the last one was just an extremely wasted commentary track. So uh, there will be more of those in the future. But um, yeah, so thank you everybody. And uh, if you want to follow the show, please do at Movie Movie Cast on all of the things. Um, Please like, subscribe, tell your friends, tell me what you want to talk about and we will talk about it. Um, Fuck, I'll have you on the show. And uh, fuck Zoom for uh, taking away their their time limit, uh, for adding their time limit restriction to even two-person calls. And uh, give a listen to my other podcast, Hot Property, at Hot Property Pod on all of the things. Scott, I cannot imagine that there's anything you want to plug, but if there is, now is your chance. Nah, nothing. Watch Gotham. Yes. All right, I'll see you. All right, man, I'll see you. Peace.